0: Hello, and welcome to Exploring Comics, a podcast about web comics, indie comics, and the people who love them. This month's panel discussion is going to be on writing great stories, so we have a number of writers here. So I'm going to go ahead and introduce you, go ahead and tell everyone who you are, how long you've been working on your project, and what that project is. First up is Donathan Fry. Hi,
1: I'm Donathan, uh, or just Don. I write iNecromancer, which is a webcomic, and I work on a couple of other comics, too. We just celebrated our first year anniversary, I guess, of publishing iNecromancer online, and uh, you can read it at www.inecromancer.com.
0: Awesome. And with us also is Kristen Tipping.
2: Hi, so I'm Kristen. I write and draw Evil Witch Alley and... Another comic called Bedtime Stories for Strangers. Uh, you can find my work on EvilWitchAlley.com or on Tapass or Lion
0: Webtoon. And Zach. Okay, well, okay,
3: so I'm Zach, also known as the Marcy60. I make a webcomic called Thomas and Zachary. I've been working on it for almost three years now. Going through a reboot. You can find it on um, comicfury.com.
0: As always, I'm your host, Tim McLaughlin. I write the comic Fatebound, have been doing so for about two years, and if all goes well, I'll learn how to start doing that well. So, as writers, what what is it exactly like? How do you interact with the team? What What is it that you are personally responsible for? Because the obvious answer is, well, I write the script, but. What does that, like, do you guys plan out the stories as well? Do you do that with, uh, with the artists if, if there's someone else with you? Or is it pretty much just you giving them a story and then, you know, artists kind of bringing it to visual life?
1: You know, I come from a, a background in stage theater, so i uh, working with other people. And so that's one of the reasons that I was kind of excited to try to get involved with comic books and web comics. So I guess it depends on who I'm working with. For iNecromancer, I guess, since that's that's the one that uh, is out there that you can read right now, Uh, outline for... The entire arc or that's how I started. and then from there, and it's very loose too, because I know a lot of details are gonna change as I kind of react to what the artists are giving me and and maybe like what's going on in my life at the time as we get to individual chapters. But then I outline the each chapter, I guess, uh, and kind of do like a layout uh, and then I write the script uh, and then I share the script with the artist and we kind of talk about things because Uh, Lucas Marko, who's the artist for I Necromancer, uh, he's a Polish artist. Sometimes he has other ideas and he has a a mind for sort of this abstract horror thing that he really loves sinking into. And so I want to make sure that I'm incorporating his passion as well. So then there's like an editing process there. And then at the end, uh, once I'm back to lettering and all the coloring uh, and all the art is done, a lot of times at that point, there'll be one more one more turn of me kind of looking at my own work and saying, well, you know, I could have, I could have trimmed this dialogue down a little bit more, or this maybe doesn't sound as natural when I speak it out loud in the character voice. So it, it's really back and forth a lot.
2: Yeah. Well, I, since I am the writer and the artist, I pretty much all of my scripts basically just would look like gibberish to anyone else. So <laughs> the it's, Nice because i i I literally just write down dialogue and no notes on what the image looks like sometimes What when i'm working with oh when i'm the artist on i've worked as the artist on somebody else's comic a couple times, and that's always interesting i think that the first time i ever did it i was really was really nervous about like giving any feedback to the author which i now regret because i was like okay this is what's written so it has to be exactly that and as i've gotten more comfortable working with a writer i've gotten more comfortable with kind of tweaking things and having more of a back and forth because a lot of the time I've found, like, with people, especially with writers who, like, who are just writers and don't do art, or especially if they're, this is, like, their their first comic, they, and uh, I'm not saying this is true of every writer, obviously, but a, a lot of them tend to... Lean really heavily on the dialogue, and there's sort of a, a lot of telling and not showing, or they'll have broken th- things down that or they'll like put more than one action in a panel. It's mm-hmm. like and so i've I've sort of gotten more comfortable with actually being a little uh, interpreting things a little more loosely than I used to, and obviously, there's also you also have to talk to the author and communicate with them and make sure what they're comfortable in, with and what they want. But I think that's the, the most important thing is just communicating with each other and making sure you're both on the same
3: page. Since I'm more of the co- co-writer for mine, I'm more on the opposite side of that communication where it's like my brother who's the writer has to communicate his ideas to me for me to draw. It's been working out fine. I mean, we live in the same household, so it's not difficult to communicate by any means. He and I both have the same idea for what we want to do with the comic, so ideas are a little easier to communicate. I
1: have a, I, I have a question. I was wondering, when, when Kristen was talking, when you are working on your own webcomic, do you feel like you have to actively switch hats between like writer you and artist you?
2: Yes, I tend to um, writing and drawing are very different. What I tend to do is I'll do a couple passes on the script, and then I'll, as I'm editing, I'll sort of do panel layouts like next to the script. More, I, more so, I would say is I have to switch hats between planning and drawing because I plan out the layouts sort of somewhat concurrently with writing the script. But I like (laughs) by the time, yeah. and, And so I sort of, I don't always make notes of it, but I generally try to have everything like all of the sort of composition of every panel kind of figured out in my head before I start drawing. And then what I'll do is I'll actually go through, and I have like a template in Photoshop and I'll do, I'll like drop in the panels and the dialogue on every page for like a full chapter. And then I'll go back and I'll draw everything. And so when I actually start, when I start doing the actual drawing, all of the decision-making parts of the process should be done. And I'm just drawing it now, if that makes any sense. I'm just executing the everything that I had already planned. But yeah, I have to I have to have a plan and like a map of where I'm going to like get anything done uh, and have it make any sense. And that that's true of me for writing as well as the art. Like I have to Have I don't just start writing and go to the end, I have to have like plot like my all of my plot points mapped out before I start writing the script at all. I have to like know what the beginning, middle, and end is already. I'm
1: I'm definitely the same way when it comes to writing.
0: How do you handle nonverbal cues?
2: I think generally just describing the body language or the facial expression is usually enough or if you or just say oh or even just say like this is i want you to convey x emotion (laughs) basically
1: so i for me i think it kind of depends on what the moment is like maybe um Sometimes it's as simple as just writing an action, a single clear action. But sometimes maybe it's appropriate to like write the internal monologue or at least an internal thought, you know? So if uh you know a guy's sitting on the edge of a rooftop and he's looking out over the city uh and the the panel's a close-up of his face, what what's he actually doing? What's he actually thinking about? And if I, if I can do that in a simple and clear way, then it'll actually connect to them, you know, especially if it's something that uh, an emotion that, you know, resonates with everybody, like um, remembering a, a lost friend or something like that. Uh, I think everybody knows what that looks like and what that feels like.
2: I try to not I try not to rely too much on internal monologue. I say even though I started my comic with, like, five pages of narration. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But, yeah, I think the important thing that the art and the writing are both conveying meaning and that they're not conveying 100% the same meaning, Mm. because then you don't
0: need one of them. I definitely agree with you. How do you use the writing to bring the characters to life?
1: I think I sound
0: like a crazy
1: person. That's the only <laughs> trick that I have. Um, like I talk to myself, you know, and I have different character voices, and that works for me. I, I don't know. I don't know how normal that is, but especially with writing dialogue and making sure that all of my characters sound different from each other, which I, I, I do think is important uh, for readers.
3: Yeah,
2: there's. I do the
3: exact same thing. <laughs>
2: yeah, I I actually just started doing that recently where because I tend to see I I would write dialogue and then I'd look back at it later and be like, this was written by a crazy person. <laughs> like it I'll have words in the sentence that don't just don't need to be there or it just sounds completely bizarre spoken out loud. And so now I've learned to read the dialogue out loud so that I know if it sounds awkward. Yeah, and there's also a lot of going back on... Because when I first... Go through the first draft. I'm pretty much just being like, okay, these are the things that need to happen in this scene and just getting that general framework down and then on Following passes of the script. I'll Like go through and look at the characters dialogue and be like, okay, so This character would probably phrase that differently Or, like, there's a lot of, for example, I have one character who's a child. And so I've started, I didn't really start doing this until the second volume, but I've started, like, going through and looking at her dialogue and, like, finding places where she's used big words and then finding smaller words to put in. Mm -hmm. so that she doesn't sound like a 20-year-old when she's talking (laughs) but yeah just sort of being aware of that and kind of and also like it's a little bit it can be a little bit cheap but like giving characters verbal tics and just remembering to have them use those verbal tics yeah I don't know
1: I think I think that's really effective you know um especially if you're if your story only has, you know, a dozen characters, you know, it's not like some sprawling epic, like uh, a Game of Thrones or something like that, then as simple as having a character who likes to use the word like, you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? And besides just writing dialogue, like bringing characters to life, you know, uh, uh, maybe if you were to interpret that question as like, how can you make characters exciting, compelling, interesting to the readers? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> you know sometimes I'm really surprised by the characters that readers hook into, you know uh, it's not necessarily and I think maybe the answer is being open to listening to your audience, especially if you're kind of lucky enough to work in web comics where. You're not pushing 22 24 pages at once, but you're pit pushing you know a page or a couple of pages a week. You really have the opportunity to kind of gauge how your readers are connecting to the story and you might you know I, I wrote um, the first chapter of by Necromancer and one of the things that uh, I found out was that the my readers really uh, kind of dug the the character of Vanyan's daughter and I, I think they were right, you know I think the readers. Goes better because I listen to them.
2: Yeah, that can be a trap too, though. Right. Because webcomics, comics, like the feedback is immediate, but the actual, like posting of the comic it, is so slow <laughs> that often I'm like, uh, it's can be tempting. So if like, readers are confused or like don't get something immediately like if they were reading like a a graphic novel and like they like don't pick up on something on page four but like on page seven that thing will be clarified more and that's a minute if you're reading a book but if you're reading a webcomic that's weeks. <laughs> um,
3: Very that's, slow process. Yeah. So it can be, like,
2: I've, it can be, like, really tempting to, like, rush things and, like, try and give the audience, like, all of the information at once. But really, that can actually just hurt the comic more in the long run and really hurt the pacing
3: now that that's one
1: of the things that scares me about web comics too is that um I always worry uh that oh they're not going to remember <laughs> they're not going to remember oh, this yeah. plot point from 12 you know 12 or 20 pages before you know and I don't want to point it out to them you know I don't want to be too on the nose about it so your readers to go back and binge like do you take uh do you do hiatuses uh for your webcomic and during the hiatus say hey guys make sure you go back and reread everything so uh they kind of have a fresher idea yeah. I, I I took I
3: hiatus- I would do a hiatus but that that does seem like that could be a good tactic every now and again
2: Yeah I I took a hi- hiatus between the first and second story arcs There's not a I don't feel like there's a ton in the second arc that you would be confused about if you haven't read the first one, but as this story progresses on and on, I'm, I am afraid that people are gonna forget things. <laughs>
1: I have uh, the same problem with TV now too, because there's so many. Uh, I guess more good shows I think than there used to be. Good, good television shows that, like, between seasons, that wait between seasons. I I actually find myself forgetting, and I don't think I used to have that. Maybe I'm just getting old. That's possible too. I saw um, Anna Landon, who's awesome. Um, she did. She did. She does Grassblades is, is her web comic and. She did a big catch up. I think she's like maybe in chapter nine or 10 now and and they can be pretty long chapters. So there's a lot of material there. Um, She did a big visual aid sort of like like previously on style uh, update that I like rereading it. I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot like half that stuff. So maybe that's maybe that's an answer too is that oh, yeah. uh doing that sort of like once you get to a certain length, maybe taking the time to do a uh, hey previously on here are all the things you want to know for the next chapter
2: yeah, that's a a good idea because especially because like the the one thing I've learned is that any if you want the audience to know something, and I'm not just talking about like oh, this is important." plot information for the comic. I'm like, if you have like an announcement about the comic or you're going on hiatus or whatever, you need to tell people like in the comic page area Mm -hmm. um, because people will not read (laughs) the description at all. Like most of the people are going to miss it. Like you have to, and like, you you can't like put it just put it in the, the description or just announce it on social media or on your like topastic wall. Um you have to like put it in the comic or people won't read it.
3: <laughs> yeah, visual aids. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Almost like a business presentation. <laughs> right. But instead of that you're revealing something that's important for them to know.
0: Now, all this kind of ties into another thing i want to talk about real quick before we run out of time was continuity because oh continuity what, what steps um, do you guys take to to make sure that your story is internally consistent that everything kind of makes sense that if someone does go back and read the archives then i could come to you and just all be
3: time like,
0: <laughs> here are all the problems that things you forgot
3: if you um, have I- a lot of stuff you need to keep track of, you can forget some things. I definitely know I have.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I try to be as vague as possible, so that <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> That's not a problem. Yeah, I'll
2: I'll, I'll literally be like, I I ha- have like a recurring problem actually that i I'm now. F- Finally, I think, getting over where I would – I'll over-explain things in my writing uh, where if I had just –
3: Just do it.
2: People will just – people will just accept whatever if you don't offer an explanation as where if you do offer an explanation, like – and they'll start thinking about it and be like, but wait – what about this small detail like they'll like, they'll like start picking apart the disbelief. explanation as where if you just don't give an explanation they'll be fine with it.
3: Yeah that, that that's like willing suspension of disbelief i think.
2: Yeah it's it's like mini chlorians <laughs>
1: Yeah i do i think that there it's a genre thing too because um like I think about uh, like sci-fi or space operas or something like that. And there really is, there's, you know, there's soft sci-fi and there's hard sci-fi. And, um, there are, there are a lot of people who want to know like, Hey, how does the spaceship work? But, you know, if that's, if that's the kind of story that you're telling, then, then the entire story is going to be changed by that lens. And you have to pay a lot more attention to your world building consistency and stuff. I have, a. Uh, a couple of friends who they uh write like uh for dungeons and Dun- dungeons they they do uh, dungeons and dragons they write uh modules and 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 you know independent settings and things like that and sell them on like drive through com- or drive through games or whatever and they have like wikipedias that they've written just for themselves and that's how they keep everything straight uh and that's that seems like a lot of work to me
0: <laughs> that's but, what I do
1: it is. I mean, that's how you, I guess that's one way to really make sure that, uh, your world building's consistent on the kind of story that you're telling, the kind of consistency that I find, uh, hardest, uh, as a writer who doesn't do, you know, doesn't draw very well is I have to be very, very careful in editing to make sure that, um, I'm helping things stay consistent like um and it's it's silly stuff but like you know I'm sure you guys have experienced this since you guys do your own art um where you're like oh man like that goblet was in the other hand <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> on the previous page Absolutely. you know what I mean
3: Yeah I've run into that a few times
2: <laughs> Yeah I have a a problem where I'll I'll flip the canvas when I'm drawing to like make sure everything the Looks okay because you know how your eyes can adjust to mistakes, right? Um, but the what's been happening now is I'll I'll flip it and then I'll forget that I flipped it and I'll draw something on the wrong side <laughs> of my <like, the> characters. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, damn it! All my characters are backwards now. <laughs>
3: yeah.
0: There's also like in terms of world building that, that all that all addresses just like the rules of how your world work. But mean, anyway, we were just talking about readers forgetting things because it was 20 pages ago or something like that, and encouraging them to go back and read the archives. How do we do that as writers? Do we just have to go back and read the archives as well, or just kind of keep going back to our old scripts? Or
3: I mean, you could do a combination of both. Because if it's like a description of something you're looking for and not necessarily an image, the script would be a little more helpful. But... Otherwise, looking back at the archives would probably be more beneficial.
2: Yeah. Well, I think the way I tend to do tend to combat this is actually just to plan ahead really far, like so that I know when I'm writing when I'm drawing something early on. Like I know what's going to happen in the future already so i know how to make it consistent with that instead of like constantly having to go back and look and be like was it like this or i mean i i still end up doing that but <laughs> i tr- i try to plan ahead as much as possible
3: yeah i i write it mean, a- if you could, if you stray from the from your script on occasion like i do it's like then that kind of defeats the point of looking back at the script if you stray from it I do um yeah, well
2: generally I'll I'll just look at the actual finished page instead of
3: Yeah, that's probably a better idea.
1: I because I write each chapter, I write the script, at least, you know, the initial couple of versions all at once uh as its own document so that I'm at least I have a finished product out through, you know, twenty, thirty, however many pages it's gonna be. But if I do go back and make changes, you know, in the editing process or when I'm lettering, I update the script too just because I know, well, I share I share the script with the, my Patreons and I like to give them like a before and after
0: mm-hmm.
1: so that I can say, you know, here's, a, here's what this script looked like, you know, two months ago. Isn't it really bad? Uh, and here's where we ended up in the end. Uh, I think we made some progress here. I like being able to do that. But I... I think it's important to go back and reread your comic book you know, every once in a while. I probably do it a couple, maybe at least once a month, I go back and reread everything that's happened. Um, and you know your moments too. When you're, when you're referencing something that's happened before or a character's talking about an event that we've seen, that's the nice thing about archives. It is really easy just to like click, click, and then I'm back there. I can look at that exact moment and doing that for
3: web comics allow you that that
1: traditional comics do not (laughs) yeah they're organized it's it's super organized so it is really easy if you do need to reference something um i never trust my memory so so i'm always you know going back and looking back if i have to
0: well there's a lot more that can be said but we're just about out of the time that i asked you guys for so do any guys have any last thoughts or plugs related to writing comics
1: it's fun. You should do it. Uh, and, you know, I, I think I, I have a lot of friends who who don't write out full scripts, um, you know, because they do uh, work that way. And that that works for them, which is awesome, um, especially folks who are artists and writers. Uh, a lot of them do that. But it's also I think it's I think it's a good idea to, like, make yourself write outside of your comfort zone. You know what I mean? Um, and not not just in terms of genre, but also in terms of the format. I, I think that that challenge can sometimes uh, help you elevate certain elements of your storytelling, um, and you might pick up some new ideas on on your preferences if you if you try a full script or if you try a different layout of your script. Even you know it's it's good to keep if you're a writer. It's good to keep trying to write new things in different ways. Uh, because the easiest thing to do is just uh, get complacent and uh, write the same things over and over again and, and just kind of spin your wheels.
0: Thank you so much for listening. There's a host of ways to interact with the podcast. If you swing over to com, that's T-E-M-C-L-A-U-G-H-L-I-N. You can find pages for the podcast and the new Twitter chat. This episode will also be available on the Nerd Herder Network on Facebook at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Mondays. So special thanks to our guests. We have Dawn, Kristen, and Zach. I've been your host, Tim McLaughlin. Thank you so much for listening. Have a delightful weekend.